0: I'm sorry.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. We're glad to be in the house of God tonight. Thank you to those that have joined us in-house and those that have joined us on live feed. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. God is good. Amen. 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 We want to go to the Lord in prayer. There's several prayer requests that we need to continue to hold up to God in prayer. Several that needs a special touch from God. We have some that's texted us throughout the course of the day. different things going on. If you've got a prayer request, let me know by lifting your hand. God knows every need. Those that are able, let's all stand and go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to minister in our time of Bible study tonight. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to you today. Again, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity that you've allowed us to come to worship and to praise you. Father, tonight I pray that you'll move and minister in a mighty way in our Bible study tonight, our kids' class, our teens, young adults. God, I pray that you'd move and minister in a mighty way to each one, those that are in-house and those that are on live feet alike, I thank you and I praise you for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise and let's worship God tonight. Amen.
2: (laughs) Amen.
3: on the lake Saturday and uh we were fishing and uh this this song hit me because the anchor held the boat and with the anchor of God he holds me so help us sing this song the anchor holds
1: Joshua chapter 6, we're going to start off with Joshua chapter 1, it's not going to be on the the screens, Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, the title of this is a question, the question is are there walls in your life, are there walls in your life, I've talked to people, I've talked to people several times and some people say, some people tell me that I'm easy to talk to and they can just tell me anything and and it's not really hard to have a conversation with that person and that person with me and then there's some people that they they got a big old wall in their life they gonna just do this number and they ain't gonna tell you doodlem squat they've got a wall built up and there's a reason why people have walls built up somebody's hurt them some something has happened in their past, something has taken place, something has transpired, something has gone on, and they they put a shield up because they don't want to get hurt again. We've talked about it on, on Sunday mornings, we've talked about uh, uh, how that the, the heart is the seat of the emotions, we've talked about it, we've said that over the last couple of weeks, different times, we've talked about maybe Sunday school, maybe Sunday morning, maybe Wednesday nights, we've We've talked about how that the heart is the seat of the emotion. I mentioned this this last Sunday, how that people will say, well, I've got to follow my heart. Well, when they follow their heart, sometimes they get in, they get in trouble, something happens, they get hurt, things take place in people's lives, and, and, it, and it happens. And so, you know, it, these things do take place, and people build walls up for that reason because they don't want to get hurt. Uh, people have said about me, and it's a misconception. I'm not. I'm not intentionally trying to deceive anybody. When I, this is just the way my personality is. This is the way I am. People have said, "Oh, brother Andy, you're just one of the most trusting people I've ever met." Actually, I'm probably one of the most anti-trusting people you've ever met. I don't trust anybody for anything until that trust has been proven. That's just who I am. I may act like I trust you. I, oh, I'm just, I, I can hug you even though I know you're stabbing me in the back. Nobody in here says so somebody down the road. But, I, I mean, that's just the type of person I am. I've always been that way. I've just been an open person. I've just uh, people easy to approach me, and that's just. I, but I do also have walls. I have walls built up. Some I feel like I have had to build up. Some has been built up because of things that's happened in my past okay? Everybody's got walls, but the fact of the matter is, is we need to allow God to tear down the appropriate walls out of our lives. It, it was it was probably almost 10 years ago, I preached a sermon out of the book of Nehemiah, and it was in the first few chapters of Nehemiah, it was talking about how that Nehemiah, you know, how he goes back in and he's building the walls in Jerusalem. He he takes this opportunity. He's the he's the he's the king's cupbearer, and he goes to the king, and he wants to he wants to take a vacation. He wants to take a leave of absence, and he wants to go. and the And the king says, "Sure." And he says, "You can take my chariots. You can take my horses. You can take everything I got, and you take all of that, and you go build the walls." The king was very very appreciative of the work that Nehemiah's done in the court and there and, and uh, in his kingdom, and and so he was like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." He tells him, "Take all." He was very happy about it. And so the thing was, Nehemiah goes and he builds these walls. Well, then the very next Sunday, I preached on that a couple of Sundays in a row, and the very next Sunday I preached out of Joshua chapter 1 about the walls coming down. And somebody come up to me after church and said, I'm very confused. I said, what are you confused about? They said, I don't know if I'm supposed to build walls up or tear walls down. I said, there's some walls that need to be built, and there's some walls that need to be torn down. You just need to trust that God's going to take care of that. But that's the thing that we've got to understand is there are walls in our lives. Some of them, they do not need to be there. And that's sort of what we want to look at a little bit tonight. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Here's something that we've got to realize in our lives. Many people are not called for certain areas of ministry that they think that they are called into. I was not called to sing on a praise team. I know that. I was that was not my area. My area is not to, to work the nursery either. Okay. I know those are not my areas to work in. I have worked the nursery. I have taught the, I've taught every Sunday school class that a church can have, including an all female Sunday school class. Well, that was an interesting month. I taught, I have taught the, I, I've taught the senior adults. I've taught the kids. I've taught, I have taught every Sunday school class that you can imagine. Those are not all my callings. My calling is not to teach the teenager's class. Those are not my areas. But going through, when I was going through the uh, MIP program, I was able to go through it at my home church because I was on staff at my church. And and so during that program time, my pastor made me teach every Sunday, made me and the other guy that was going through it, we we had to teach every Sunday school class. At least two or three times, we had to we had to work every department. We had to do everything inside the church. Why? I th- I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad because we needed to know those things. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of pastors today that don't know nothing about different areas in the church. They don't. All they want to know is their part, and I don't think that's right. But I do also believe. That God equips us, and this is what this verse is telling us, Joshua 1 and 9. Be be not afraid. Do not be dismayed. God is going to go with you wherever you go. Wherever God leads you, whatever area of ministry, whatever purpose that God has, God is going to go before you, and God's going to make a way. I've I've told people time and time again, when you're going to go witness to somebody, you've got to pray that the Holy Spirit goes, goes in front of you. God, the Holy Spirit will open that door. You go do a code call to somebody and God ain't showed you to go talk to that person, it's probably one of the worst things that you can ever do. Why? Because it's going to shut them down quick like. If God has not gone ahead of you, if the Holy Spirit's not gone ahead of you, that's where the problem comes in, right? Okay? We've got to understand those things. And in every area of ministry that we go into, in everything that we do for the kingdom of God, God is going to go before us. Now take a look down at at Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Why is that important, Joshua 1 and 9? Why is that important to understand that God's going to go in front of us? Because there's many times that we will put the wall up and say, oh, I'm not going into that area of ministry. Put that wall up. I, I want to keep that away from me. Put that wall up. But there's people that they believe that God's called them in certain areas and God didn't call them over there. They ain't even a doorway there, and they take a sledgehammer and try to make a doorway. Rodney, you ain't never met nobody like that, have you? <laughs> but that's what people will do. Oh, this is what God called me to do. This is this is the area God's called me in. I'm gonna tell you something, church. I, have, I even since we've been here at Coosa Valley, had people come to me and they say, "Oh, God's called me to God's called me to to preach." I am like, okay. So I'll meet with the person. I'll talk with them. And then you start offering a little bit of a challenge, and they're like, that ain't what God called me into. God called me to preach. That's part of it. One of the biggest things that I've always done when anybody tells me they're called to preach, after I talk to them a couple of times, I tell them, all right, I want you to get your first sermon. I want you to study your first sermon out. I want you to get your first sermon together. And then a couple of weeks will go by, and I'll tell them, come back to me because I'm not chasing you down. And then I'll tell them to come back to me and talk to me about it. And then they'll, if they do come back, I'll say, all right, now I want you to write out a manuscript, write out everything about that sermon. I want you to handwrite, longhand, I want you to handwrite every bit of it. I didn't say type it, I said handwrite it, handwrite the whole thing out. And they look at me like, you're crazy as you look. God didn't call me to write something, God told me to preach. Well, you've got to know how to do all these other things to lead up to that. And that's the thing that we've got to understand is that is ministry, a lot of times in areas of ministry, it's more than just what we see on the surface. There's deeper stuff. God is going to open the right door in the right time for us to go through. Amen? Joshua 2. Take a look at verses 9 through 11. Joshua 2, 9 through 11. And she said unto the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. All the inhabitants are faint because of you. We have heard. Okay, listen to this part. Really listen to this part. This is this. Everybody knows who we're talking about. This is the harlot that's there in the city. She's there. She is hidden. The men that came from that came in to try to the spies that was sent over. She's hidden them in her apartment. She let them down out, to, out the window afterwards. She left, a, left a, a red ribbon hanging out her window so they'd know where she was at. She's got them hidden in her apartment, and she says, We've heard you, about you guys. We know terror has fallen upon us. Everybody in this land is, is, is faint, is scared because of who y'all are. And watch this next part. She says, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. We've also heard what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard those things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain any courage in us because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Look, you do not have to defend. I'm gonna be careful how I say this. You don't have to defend who God is. God is God. Amen. Now. When I hear people uses, using God's name in vain or I hear people talking ugly or I hear, I, I sort of, usually a good old-fashioned uh, throat clearing will stop that and it, and it ends those things. But in those cases, yeah, I'm going to say something. It's, that's not me defending who God is. That's me saying, hey, you don't need to be using God's name in vain like that. You don't need to be talking about God like that. I don't have to defend who God is because God is God. God's going to take care of God. I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of me in the long run as well. I know that God's got this. God's reputation has gone before God. If we will allow God, if we will allow God to allow His Holy Spirit to pave the path in front of us, then guess what? God's going to take care of us when we arrive. Now you got to remember, these children of Israel—they're sitting here. They've already crossed the Red Sea. They've already gone through Jordan. Now they're coming up to this 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 city. They they know God says that God God says I'm giving you this city. This is y'all's. I'm going to give this to you. And they send spies into the city. And the spies, some of the spies, y'all remember, some of the spies come back and said, "Oh, we can't take this city." They they big folk in there. Man, this is this is this is crazy. We've lost our minds trying to say we're gonna take this city. And then what did Joshua and the other guy come back and say? Man, we got this. This is good. We got this. The fruit in this land is huge. We've got this with God on our side. So She's sitting there and she's telling these two guys, she's telling Joshua, she's telling them, she says, look, y'all ain't got nothing to worry about because we've already heard about your God. We've already heard about you as a people. We've already heard about what God has already done for y'all and all of our men folk, all of our folk that is in war, the war folks, all of our folks are scared out of their minds. They're shaking in their sandals. They can't hold their swords because they're it's just falling. They're scared, slapped to death. Don't worry about nothing. Why did that happen? Because the Holy Spirit went ahead of them and took care of them. I've had to do meetings before and I've had to... I've had to meet with people that was I knew it was going to get an be an ugly situation, I, I, or I thought it was going to be ugly ahead of time. I, I've had to go to churches and handle handle squabbles and fights and grumbles and gripes and complaints. I've had to, I've had, and I'm sitting th- there thinking, Oh Lord of mercy, God, you've got to go before me to deal with this because God, if you don't if you ain't there and showed up and dealt with this before I get there, I'm gonna, I'm going back to the truck and I'm getting a ball bat and I'm going to bring it in. And I'm going to whoop everybody inside. I've told God that before, and God knows that I've just got a sense of humor, and I don't, I ain't gonna really do that. But you know, I think God took care of things, so I wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> but here's the thing: when we ta- when we ask that God go ahead of us, God's gonna take care of a lot of those problems before we even get there. How many times you ever faced something, faced a bad situation? You got knots in your belly. You're trying to. You're trying to figure something out. You really don't know if you're going to handle this. You really don't know if you're going to do this. You really don't know what's going to happen. You really don't know. You really don't. And and you get there, and it's nothing like what you thought it was going to be to begin with. That's, a God, that's God going ahead of us. You sort of think that the doctor's appointment is going to go really, really, really bad. And then you get there. You've worried about it for two weeks. And you get there, and the doctor says, oh, everything's great and wonderful. The lab made a mistake because, you know, all of us has got that patient portal now, and we look at our own lab work, and we look at our own x-ray results, and we see everything bad first. And we pray about it, and we're asking, okay, God, you've got to take care of this. We get there, and the doctor says, everything's good. And you're trying to figure out, well, why why was I worried about it? Why was I so concerned? Why was I so upset? Why was I? I don't know why you was. But what we've got to realize is that God is going to take care of the situation if we just trust Him. Amen? What God has done, God goes and takes what He's already done. He takes that and goes before us. The things that's been done in our past, the things that's happened in our lives, the testimonies that we have for God. God takes those things and takes those ahead of us. I was sitting there, I I was in the office the other day and my cell phone rung. Unknown number, or it's just a number on the caller ID, I don't know who it is. I answer it anyway, you know, I I like some of them scam calls. I like to mess with them, pretend like I'm going to buy whatever they're selling and Have a good old fun time with them. Sometimes I'm bored and I I do answer the calls. So I answered it that day and it was somebody, I didn't know who he was. It was another pastor in another state. I didn't know who this person was. Didn't have a clue about who they was. But they knew me. They said, I know who you are. And I said, is that good or bad? Why are you calling? He said, no, it's good. I said, okay, how are you doing? It had been bad, I'd hung up. What God has done in our lives, how God handles, how God takes care of, how God works in our lives, God allows those things to go before us, and it takes care of a lot of stuff even before we get to that situation. God takes care of those things ahead of time. Our testimony of what God has done goes before us. Now, I know... I know because I've heard several people say, we don't do testimony services like we used to do. No, we don't. You know, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you why. Because sometimes you're worried about what somebody's going to stand up and say. I'm just going to be real with you. You have all sorts of things that is said, okay? But I want to to tell you something about testimonies. Testimony services, not like that, but testimony, period. The people in the sanctuary, most of the time, they know what God's done. They know what God has done. God's worked in their lives. Do you know who needs to hear the testimony? Maybe not that testimony. Do you know who needs to hear testimonies? Those people at the restaurant, those people in the line at the grocery store, those people at the family reunions, those people at the doctor's office in the waiting room. You know the doctor always tells you to come in at 9 o'clock. You get there at 15 till they don't see you till 11 o'clock. You're sitting in the waiting room for a long amount of time. You got time to talk to somebody and tell somebody the good news about what God's done in your life. Amen. I've made a lot of friends at the doctor's office over the years. Some I've really loved. Loved to see them when I came in and loved to see them when when they left. But the thing is, is we've got to understand, is we can find somebody to tell the good news about what God has done in our lives. Amen? That's what we need to do. We need to have a testimony and tell people what God has done for us. Take a look at Joshua chapter 2 and verse 24. Joshua 2 and verse 24. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. The two spies, they come back and they tell Joshua. How many spies were sent? Ten. Eight come back. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know what your drone footage has seen. I don't know what what anybody else told you about this. I don't know what their Yelp review is, what their Google review is. But that city is bad to the bone. We don't need to go in that city. We need to just bypass this city and go on somewhere else. But the other spies, what they do? They come back and they said, this is a good thing. God has given us this land. God's given this to us. We got this with God working with us. They brought back a good report. Every time you hear something, you can either hear good or you can hear bad. It's cold outside. That's good or bad, right? What's the good part of it? Mosquitoes are gone. What's the bad part of it? It's cold outside. <laughs> There's good and bad in every situation. What are you going to see in that situation? Some people they don't it doesn't matter what they what happens, what took place, what goes goes on They're going to find something bad out of the situation. You've heard me talk about the person that you hand the $100 bill to, right? You can hand the $100 bill to somebody. It's the wrong wrong year of printing. It's the wrong shade of green. It's not the right design. It's not new enough. It's not old enough. They're going to find something wrong with it. You hand me a $100 bill, I promise you, I'll tell you all the good things about it. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. God, God bless you for giving me that $100 bill. I'm going to pray all the blessings from God on your life, a thousandfold over. I ain't going to find nothing wrong with that $100 bill, are you? But there's people that can find something wrong with every situation. That's those That's those spies. That's part of those spies. Those spies that found everything wrong with why we can't take this city. Then you got the other spies come back in they say, we got this. We need to understand. If God is bringing us to a challenge in our spiritual walk, God is going to make a way. If God brings you to that, God is going to provide a path. Now, I've had people to do this to me before, and this ain't God. Okay, I'll have people to say they'll come to me. I'll use I'll, I'll use our I'll use our church as an example. Now, we could we could say right now, brother Andy, we want to build a two million dollar building on some land up in town. Now, do you think God would be opposed to us building a big old building? Probably not. But is that our time? Is that the right time for us? Is it the right plan for our church? Is it the right action for us to take? may not be the right time. I'm not telling anybody God's laid on my heart about a building program. Don't anybody get scared. Brother Danny's already crumbling in his shoes back here. He says, uh-uh, I've been through too many building programs. I'm fixing to leave. <laughs> God ain't laid a building program on my heart, okay? But I've had people to tell me, oh, I think that's what God needs wants us to do. Let's go turn the dirt over right now because if it's got, cause God's going to take care of it. God's going to give us the land. God's going to give us the money. God's going to, God's going to, God's going to, God's going to. You know what? I believe that God can do all those things. But if God's going to just do all of it, what does he need you for? I went on two mission trips. I knew that God had laid it on my heart to go on those mission trips you know what I did I prayed and I said okay God open the right door so that I get the right amount of money that is needed to go on those mission trips and it never failed it always happened everything was laid out perfectly okay had a few churches sponsors I had people sponsor and everything worked out great I didn't one time beg anybody for nothing God provided a way every time when God is in it God's going to take care of everything We've got to trust and work and do what God has called us to do. Amen? If God's called us to something, we just need to do what God's called us to do and let God take care of the details. Amen? That's the way God works. That's the way God operates. God is going to provide for us to do something so that we can do what God has called us to do. He's going to make a way. When we resist our spiritual enemies, we're going to be drawn closer to God. You know, the thing about it is, the is uh, biggest spiritual enemy that the church face, faces is the enemy of fear. I've presented to this church on numerous occasions about mission programs, about things for us as a church to do. You can ask Brother Emory. Me and him was talking about this here just here a while back. It not too long ago. Brother Emory's thinking, he's over there thinking, yeah, what was we talking about? Remind me. This is the thing. Any time that we've needed to do something if we started putting money into a missions area, a program like that, God always provided for whatever was needed. Some of you that was here when we did the paving in the parking lot. We started we started putting mission programs priority. We started giving money to mission program and then all of a sudden money started coming in for the parking lot. Now, we could have held on to that money to do with the parking lot. It wouldn't have came in, and we wouldn't have been able to bless over here, and the monies wouldn't have come in, right? I firmly believe that when we're doing what God's called us to do, things are going to start opening up and happening, and we need to resist the biggest enemy to the church world, and that enemy is called fear. Fear to walk in what God has called us to do. We need to walk in the areas that God calls us in. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Joshua 6, verse 1. Look at what it says. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Jericho... Closed their doors. Nobody went out and nobody went in. The Lord said to Joshua, I've given you the city of Jericho, the king and the mighty men of valor. Encompass the city, all of the men of war in your group, all the children of Israel, the men of war, and go around the city one time. Do this for six days the seven priest shall bear the ark the seven trumpets of ram and on the seventh day you'll compass the city not one not two but compass the city seven times and on the seventh time the priest will blow with the trumpets and it shall come to pass when the when that when you make a long blast with the ram's horn When you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people will shout with a great shout, and the city walls will fall down flat. And your people, the children of Israel, shall ascend up every man straight before him. I want you to notice something. First of all, take a look at verse 1. There's an introduction given by the captain of the Lord's host, to the children of Israel. That's very important. Too many people worship God like God is a God of disorder and disarray. God is not a God of disorder. God is not a God of disarrayment. God is a God of order. It might not be your order. It is God's order. Amen? God is always a God of order. God is always a God of things are going to fit just right. God, God knows how things have, all the puzzle pieces have got to go together. And God knows the order they've got to be in. I know, and, and if you really stop and step back, I know when things start falling outside the will of God because things start going disarray. Okay me and Sister Carrie was at our home church and we knew time was coming for us to depart and go out into the area of ministers where we was going down to uh, Pastor Zion Church of God and we knew the time was coming for us to, to leave so we had already we had already well talked to our pastor and we had already started talking to the people and and they had this big old service for us and we had a great time and they, they honored us, and they, they recognized us. They had prayer over us, and then we departed. Everything was just a smooth process. Now, the next Sunday, somebody forgot that I checked all the batteries in the microphones, and they didn't check the batteries, and there was batteries was dead. That ain't my fault. That was somebody else's fault. But everything happened just smooth, and everything was in order. Everything was... Just like so. Yeah, we cried. Yeah, it was a sad time. But everything worked smoothly. There's been times in our ministry that there was people departing out of our lives. And we knew God was not in that departure. I'm going to tell you something. This may not be in an outline. This may not. You may not find this in the Bible, but I believe this 100%. God don't call people to this church for six weeks and to that church, weeks and that church for six weeks and that church for six weeks and that church for six weeks. God don't do that, okay? But there's so many people in the church world that believes They'll come and they'll tell me, oh, God's called us over here. God's called us over here. God's called us over here. And then the next thing you know, they're back on our doorsteps, and they say, oh, God called us back over here. I'm like, man, God showed us change his mind a whole lot. I didn't know God did that. But God is a God of order, and everything fits just right. That's what you find in verse 1. Directions are given, and if the children of Israel will follow the direction God's laid out, everything works just so perfectly. Notice, instructions, actions, victory. Christians, a lot of times, gets it backwards. They want the victory without action. We've got something we've got to do. The Bible gives us a plain directive. It's one word. It's two letters. It's G and it's O. We're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're supposed to go into the highways and byways and bid people to come in. We're supposed to go outside the four walls of the church And invite people to the house of God. But many times, nobody here at Coosa Valley, it's all down at the Baptist Church down the road. Many times, people want to sit here and say, well I sure do, I'll be glad when God brings them folks in. It's our place to bring people to the house of God, amen? It's got to be victory and our actions have got to perceive that. Looking at verse 2. The Lord promises easy and certain victory over, over the vicious and mighty enemy. God promises victory and an easy and certain victory over the vicious, mighty army. If you don't think that God's not going to give you victory, just go ahead and read the end of the book. Just go all the way to the end. I have heard so many and I'm not knocking any pastor that's done this, I'm not knocking anybody that's this that's talking about this not, I'm not I'm not belittling anybody that's doing these things but I'm seeing so many that are spending weeks on end preaching and preaching and preaching about what's going on in Israel right now. look and trying to explain everything and trying to to bring all the details down. you know what? That's great. I'm going to tell you something. I know what's going on in Israel. Is, it's, it sounds bad. It's bad, okay? But it's not wrong. It's biblically, prophetically correct. These things must happen. Amen? If You think the rapture is going to take place without these things happening? The Bible doesn't tell that. There are things that has to take place for the rapture of the church to happen. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not promising that God stop them things from happening. I'm I'm praying that God protect His people. Hello? I'm praying that God protect His people. But I know those things have got to happen in order for the rapture of the church to take place. There are things that are going to take place for the rapture of the church to be ushered in. Amen? I believe that. I believe that 100%. I believe we're on the very cusp of the rapture of the church to take place. I I think that right now we need to spend our time knowing that God is God, and God has sent His Son to die on the cross for our sin, for a plan of salvation for our lives. I think that we need to spend our time looking at that. Why, Brother Andy? Because we're not saved? No, they might be one person that's not saved. And they need to know God has given a plan of salvation for you and I. That's what we need to really look at. We need to know that God is still God. Amen? God has promised us easy and certain victory over a vicious, mighty army. Things look bad, but I want to be on the winning side. Have you ever met somebody that they flip-flop depending on the on the way the wind's blowing? They an Alabama fan when Alabama's winning, they an Auburn fan when Auburn's winning. I'm an Alabama fan. I don't care if if, if Alabama loses every game. I'm an Alabama fan. That might make me crazy. That might make me unique. I know some of you are Auburn fans. Regardless of what goes on, you're an Auburn fan. Does that mean I'm right, you're wrong? Yes, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. But there are people, have you ever noticed that, that there's people, they're going to test the way the wind is, the way the wind's blowing to know where they're going to stand at. They're going to go into a room and read the room and see what's going on before they they make a determination of where they're standing on something. I'm going to tell you something. It looks bad for Christians. It looks bad for the children of God. It looks bad for us. But in all that, I am still a Christian. I choose to be a Christian. I'm still a child of God. I don't care how bad it looks. Why? Because I know in the end, I'm going to be on the winning side. The number of Christians in America has dropped drastically over the last 10 years. Those that profess to be Christians. Do you know what? I'm a Christian. Why? Because I know in the end I'm going to be on the winning side. Verses 3 through 5, what you find there is the purpose of the actions was to impress the Canaanites. And to teach the, a lesson of faith and confidence of the promises of God to the children of Israel. I want you to notice something, though. Who went first? Who went first? The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Who comes next? musicians, the praise team. We've got to follow the presence of God with our praise and our worship. Amen. We've got to follow God with our praise and our worship. And who followed the praise team? The body of the church. We've got to follow after God with what we're doing, amen, we've got to follow with our praise and worship, we've got to go right behind God, why, because God is trying to lead us and guide us and direct us, now move on down to verse 20, move down to verse 20, so the people shouted with the priests, they blew when the priests blew the trumpets, And it came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted with a great shout. And I'm going to tell you something. If you'll stay in line with what God has laid out before us, you follow the instructions of God. Let me tell you something. God is a God of instructions. God's a God of details. God's a God of order. You know how I know that? Look at the entirety of the Old Testament. Every thread on that priestly garment, had a meaning and a purpose and a reason and a rationale. All the beads had, had, everything was measured out exactly the way it was supposed to be. When Granny made biscuits, we asked her, what was the recipe? A dash of this and a pinch of that. No, God didn't do that. God had everything measured out exactly how it was supposed to be exactly how detailed that's how god is when we follow the instructions of god then guess what we'll hear the sound of the trumpet we can shout with a great shout and the walls in our lives will fall down flat that's what i'm wanting that's what i'm holding on to last few questions for you tonight Last few questions. The walls that the people of Jericho had placed around their city were there to protect at all cost. But that was actually, those walls was their ultimate doom. The walls was there to protect the city, but inevitably those walls was the doom for Jericho. The reason that there was no loss for the children of Israel is because they followed the instructions by faith to the letter. They followed what God told them. Did it look silly and crazy for the children of Israel to be walking around behind those trumpeteers and their trumpets was just... They was holding them. They wasn't blowing them. Wasn't making a noise. They was told, be quiet. Don't make a peep. Could you all imagine being on the walls of Jericho looking down on the children of Israel? All you see is this group of people. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. All you see them do is get up in the morning, you're standing on that wall, you're looking out. You see them get up in the morning. You see them ha- you see them go to Waffle House for breakfast. Then they come over to Jericho and they walk around your city one time. They don't say a peep. Nobody sneezes, nobody coughs, nobody does anything. And then they go back to the tents. They stop by McDonald's going home. They don't do anything. But then the seventh day. I wouldn't want to be in the city of Jericho when this happened, but I'd love to have been on the on the on the walls when they started marching around on that seventh day. Then I definitely would want to got off by the sixth time. But I think it'd been interesting to watch that. It'd been interesting to hear the conversations. Well, here they come one more time. Those foolish children of God. I don't know why. Remember in the very beginning. What was said, we're scared of y'all. We're afraid of y'all. Now on the seventh day, they're on them walls and they're watching and they're like, here comes them foolish children of God again. I don't know why we're so scared of them. All they're going to do is they're going to go to the Waffle House, they're going to eat breakfast, they're going to come and they're going to march around this city and they're going to go back home. Wait a minute, they marched one time already. Why are they marching again? Now on the third time around, what are they doing? Something different. Now it's the sixth time they ain't stopped yet. Well, at least they ain't making a noise. And all of a sudden that seventh time, could you imagine if you was on the opposite side of the of the of the city when the priest was walking around on that side, and all of a sudden. You're over here and all of a sudden you hear way over there. You start hearing those trumpets sounding. Those horns start blowing. You start hearing that sound making a noise. And then the walls start to shake. What's going on? It's a God thing. That's exactly right. That's what we've got to realize when we turn it over to God. We follow the directions of God to the letter. God will take care of us. So the question is, have you placed walls in your life that need to come down before those are your walls of doom? Remember, the city of Jericho had walls up, and that was their ultimate failure is the walls destroyed those people. Amen. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again as we come to you this night, thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you're going to continue to do. God, I praise you for being in our presence tonight. I praise you for your word. I thank you and I praise you right now for what you're going to continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Live feed, thank you so much for being with us. Join us back Sunday school, Sunday morning at 945. Worship at 11. May God bless you. Amen.